Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. And Lord, when we feel like we have nothing inside, we still say hallelujah. God, when we feel like life is pressing down on us, we still say hallelujah. God, we place all of our hope and our trust in you, God. Lord, it's the one thing that we have. We have an anchor for our souls, no matter what's happening in this life, God. So we say hallelujah. We need to say hallelujah. We need to say it. There was a few of you in worship today that I, I saw who were really, I don't, don't want to say feeling it, but, but we really need to lift it up right now. So I just want to, on the count of three, lift up a hallelujah if you'll join me today because Jesus is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords and he really is leading us into a place of victory. There really is a battle. There really are demonic spirits coming against us and he is saying, trust me again because I'm leading you into the place of victory and the end is gonna be good. Even if you can't see it right now, the end is gonna be good. So we say hallelujah today. I'm just gonna count off on the count of three and let's just shout it out. One, two, three. God, every tear, every sorrow will be wiped away as we stand before you face to face. God, we look forward to that day. We thank you, Jesus. That is written. You shall wipe away every tear from every eye. And we thank you that you are God, Emmanuel, with us in this moment to release comfort and to release hope even when we can't feel that hallelujah. But God, I just ask today, God, release it all across this room, all across those online. And Father, today we even just lift up the missionaries connected with this church. We lift up Jerry and Connie in Mexico. God, we lift up Chris and Melissa in China and Jennifer in Hawaii. Father, we ask, would you come and release the comforter and the power of the Holy Spirit in their hearts in this season of celebrating your birth, God, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're the victorious one, God. Lead us into victory in every way, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews in chapter 1. No, we'll be getting there in just a moment, but welcome. Grateful to be with you guys this morning. As you can just stay right there if you want to. I'm going to be preaching on encountering Jesus. You may as well just lead the way. Stay right there, man. Come on. This, uh, this Christmas season, we're looking at encountering the magnificence of Jesus. And last week, I, uh, or we looked at Paul being so so awestruck with encountering Jesus that he says, I count all things a loss compared to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, to see him and to know him. This is the encounter, the depth that Paul had in seeing Jesus. And then we talked a little bit about Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus with his disciples and you know, he says, who do people say that I am? And Anywho, Jesus establishes there in Matthew 16 that the church, which is you, right, are built on this one question of who do you say that he is? Um, I've been studying a lot this, these last couple weeks in this, and 
One of the, one of the things I was reading, one, someone said in there that Jesus is the best kept secret in the church. Seriously. Like the depth of who Jesus is, and in which we under Savior. I mean, yes, 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 and and uh, man, that's so. There's so much, and we'll talk about that. And we know that He's healer and deliverer, and we know these things. But to truly, like, for the rest of our lives, as I, I said last Sunday, like, like we should be living every moment obsessed with encountering this man Jesus and who He is. Right, seeing more and more and more of Him. And so, in Matthew 16, this is what He what He he says to his disciples, ultimately he says, um, you know, who, who do you say that I am? So, you know, this really is the most important thing about our lives is how we see Jesus, how we know him, how well we know him, and uh, in encountering his magnificence. And so, last week I shared with you and I want to encourage you to stay in there in Proverbs in chapter 2 in verse 1 through 5 because it gives you it gives you the pathway to encountering him and you young people like be reading that Matthew 2 verse 1 through 5 and asking the Holy Spirit to help that be real to you and what that looks like in everyday life but there's there's I can't remember now five or six ifs like if you do this if you do this if you do this if you do this and then there's the then there's the promise, and that promise is that you'll continue to encounter more and more and more of him. And I think I finished last week with Proverbs 25.2 that says, and this is powerful, just grab this. It says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search out the matter. So it's like there's a kingly spirit and an anointing on searching out, seeing who Jesus is. Such a powerful thing. So what we take out of that is this. You will see to the degree that you search. Like each of us will encounter him to the degree that we go after him. I don't know about you, but I want to be awestruck. Amen? I want to be awestruck. Uh, Our obsession in life should be searching out the magnificence of Jesus, the splendor of the kings. All right. So I want to show you this powerful passage of Scripture. You guys have read it, but man, it's, um, I feel like we could, um, for the rest of our life here on earth, search out this passage in Hebrews chapter 1, and every moment of every day we'll see more and more and more and more, layer upon layer revealed. It's so rich. So we're going to look here in Hebrews in chapter 1, and just, uh, I think we're going to stay just really in these first four verses. And again, they're so, they're so deep and so rich. But Hebrews, I think it's important to see the, in, in read and read in context, but uh, uh, Hebrews is written to the Jewish believers who were being challenged on the, the supremacy of Christ. One by by Roman by the by the Roman authorities, but but even beyond that, by by the Jewish religious leaders, and so uh, and of both who would say that Jesus was an anointed man, that Jesus was a prophet, but that he was not God. So the this church here was like struggling in this atmosphere of walking in this reality of who Jesus truly was and being combated in that. So that you know their I think their message when you look at the early church there and the thing they were going through is, hey, be a good citizen, right? Um, go, go to the temple services, um, obey the law, but can we, please de- uh, can we please put a little hold on all this Jesus stuff, especially Jesus being king, right? And so Hebrews is encouraging the believers to endure, endure the hardship of standing firm in the truth of who they truly knew that Jesus, Jesus was and press in and, and don't draw back and keep seeking. Ultimately, you read all through the book of Hebrews, it's about keep seeking the magnificence of Jesus. And then... Uh, these these next verses that we're going to read here just reveal the God's supreme revelation in verses one through four. Again, it's so it's so rich and it's so deep. Um, and what we're going to look at in in these in these four verses are the seven excellencies of Christ. So we're talking about the magnificency of Jesus. 
truly seeing Jesus for who he is and the depth of, of him. And then Hebrews here lists the seven excellencies of Christ. And then I'm just going to throw this out there just because I feel like this is just where, where God is wanting to posture our heart not only this Christmas season, but as we prepare to enter in this new year of locking eyes with this King that we're called to serve and seeing more of Him and knowing Him deeper. And so today I'm, gonna, I'm just going to list out, we're going to kind of highlight these seven excellencies that's listed in Hebrews, but I just want to make a side note. Each, each one of these you could preach a series on each one of them, at least a full sermon on each one of them. And I'm going to take just today and list the seven excellencies. So I just want, I just want to get you hungry for them. And you go study them because it's so beautiful. And he'll show you more and more and more of himself. But uh, it's, it's just so absolutely powerful. So let, let's look here uh, and see what the Lord is saying in Hebrews uh, chapter 1. Verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 4. Read this with me. So it says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the Father by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Okay. This is so, so, so beautiful. Um, so there's seven excellencies, and then it, it establishes three core subjects here that, it, that it, it establishes his supremacy, it establishes his preeminence, and it establishes his worthiness. We're looking at Jesus. We're looking at this baby that came in that manger that we're celebrating his birth, the Savior of the world, God Emmanuel. And here in Hebrews, verse 1 through 4, here's three of the core things that if we're looking, if someone say, who, and, and you're answering that question in Matthew chapter 16 is great, but who do you say that I am, right? So here we're seeing these three powerful truths of his supremacy, his preeminence, and his worthiness. And so if, you, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you something, to work, uh, and, and then you go study it out, but it's beautiful. But um, uh, it, it, uh, in, in, in Psalms, there's three Psalms that, that support and enhance Hebrews chapter 1, that, that support his supremacy, his preeminence, and his worthiness. So I want to encourage you in the next few days this week before Christmas to read these three psalms. Psalm 2 uh, just declares that he is the royal son. And then Psalm 110 declares that he is the royal priest. And then Psalm 45 declares that he is the royal bridegroom. Royal son, royal priest, and royal bridegroom. And it links in with Hebrews chapter 1, these verses 1 through 4, actually the whole book of Hebrews. So just some beautiful things for you guys. Let's go study on your own. But this morning, in the time that we have, we're going to look at these seven excellencies listed right here in these first four chapters of Hebrews in chapter 1. And so I want to start with this. At the beginning, first we have to catch what is being said in verse 1 through the first part of chapter 2. And it says this, that God spoke in various ways and in various times through the prophets in the past. Um, that's, how, that's how he revealed who he was. Okay, and This is what he's stating here. But then he says, but in these last days... He has spoken to us by His Son. So He's speaking to us through Jesus. So, in other words, whatever we discover about God, we now see through the lens of Jesus. Praise God. 
Because the Old Testament was prophesying and declaring his coming, but now here in the New Testament, now that Jesus is here, now everything that we see, now we have this grand view of now seeing everything through the lens of our Savior. Through this beautiful day that he came on the earth, right, that we're about to celebrate, which we understand it wasn't in December, it wasn't December 25th, but praise God we have a day to celebrate his birth, amen? And so this is what it's opening up here in Hebrews and making this powerful statement that, that it's through our relationship with Jesus, it's being under his leadership and seeing the magnificence of Jesus, right, that we are able to see, see the fullness of the deity, Praise God. So then these next, these next, uh, the, the, the next verse reveals just God's supreme revelation in these seven excellencies of Jesus. So we're just going to walk through each one of them and share a few things. Again, be answering the question as you hear these things of saying, who do you say that I am? So here's the supreme revelation now that God gives through Jesus and he lists these seven things. The first one is this. And it says that Jesus was appointed heir of all things. Okay. So let's not just let these things wash over our heads, but what does that mean? Like we're digging into who Jesus is. God's word is declaring it here in Hebrews. And it says, it says, here he is. Here's the one you're about to celebrate. Jesus was appointed heir of all things. Now think about this for a moment. This word heir, it, it, it means legally entitled by rank. Legally entitled by authority and ownership of all things. Heir. So in other words, God, here's a picture of Jesus. God saying that, that he ordained his son to come to the earth to take on human form as a man and become fully God and fully man as heir of the world. Become the rightful heir of everything that is created. This is who Jesus is. The king that was born in this, in this stable, right? In such a humble entrance into the world as mankind. And God is saying that he has been appointed this beautiful baby that you're about to celebrate and serve and come under his lordship. I have declared and ordained that he is heir of all things. So powerful. The word declares that he is truly the king of kings. Isaiah chapter 9 and 7 says, Out of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From that time forward and even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isn't it amazing? Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. This is the man. He was appointed heir and king of all things. This is just, we're just getting glimpses. And then again, we'll spend, you can spend the rest of your life searching out. Who is Jesus as heir? But we know he's heir. He carries all of these things. We'll, we'll see the complete fulfillment of this in his second coming when he returns to the earth. Can we just agree together? He is the heir of the world. I feel like we know this. It just, I, I just, I don't know how much we truly believe it. But truly, 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 so powerful. He is worthy. Amen? He's worthy. So God says, here he is. Here's a view of my son. Here's a view of this king that you're celebrating. He is heir. He is heir. He is heir of all things. This is the one that we worship. This is the one that our hope is established in. He is the heir of all things. And then here's the second excellency. Here's the second excellency. He says, through whom also he made the worlds. There in the end of verse 2. He's the heir of all things, and through whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus is not just, he's not just the heir, the rightful heir, but he is also the creator. And if you notice in there, really pay attention, it says he's the creator of the worlds. It's in plural. 
That's important to grab a hold of. It means, the, it means he's creator. He was the creator of the physical world, and he's creator of the spiritual world. He is creator of the seen, and he's creator of the unseen. This baby that came and laid in the manger that there was no room for, come on, man, come on, that the shepherds came, right? And, and we know the whole story. Now, the word of God here in Hebrews is just revealing this greater depth that God says, I ordained my son to be the heir, the rightful heir of the whole world. And not only that, but I've ordained him. He is the creator of the worlds, the seen and the unseen. And, and in that, it also means then that, that he's the creator, the time frames and the storyline related to what is created in both realms. That's powerful. This man, Jesus, man, it's so much. So Jesus is not only, has not only created everything, he determines what is going to happen with that which he created by the Father's will. Praise God that he's given us glimpses of these things. And we read through the book of Revelation and we get a picture of, of the end times and what this is going to look like. How many of you are excited about the thousand-year millennial reign? Come on, man. People are going to know in that moment of time, come on, that he truly has been ordained to be the heir of the world. That he is creator and sustainer. He's the one that's creating the storyline, people. I don't know about you, but I want to get in his story. And I want to be a part of his story. And I want to be a, a recipient of all that he has ordained for those that follow him. I mean, man, guys, this is the Jesus that we're celebrating. This is the Jesus that we worship. He's so worthy, isn't he? So Jesus not only created everything, but he determines what's going to happen with what he created by the Father's will. I love this scripture in John in chapter 1, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. This is our Savior. He created everything in the visible and, the in, and, and in the invisible realm. You can read further on in Colossians in chapter 1, uh, verses 16, 17, and 18, man. It'll, it'll bless your heart, man. Sometimes I feel like we just we lose sight a little bit of the trueness and the realness and the power of this king that we serve. I feel like when the more we grasp the magnificence of who this Jesus is, the more we'll walk in lordship under his authority. Amen? So good. Everything is under his authority, and he is over the storyline. How many are thankful he's over the storyline? I don't know about you, there's a lot of storylines out there, but I'm thankful that, that he's the one that is the creator of the true storyline. So good. So what is he? He's heir of all things. He's the rightful heir of all things. That's your king. He is creator of all things in the seen and the unseen. And then the third thing, the, the third excellency that's listed here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and this is so beautiful. It says, he is the brightness of his glory. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, he is the brightness of God's glory. Um, so here is a, here's a picture of a, another, another dimension of his deity. Jesus being the brightness or radiance of the Father's glory. So I think, man, wow, what's that mean? What's that mean? Jesus is the radiance of the Father's glory. That, that, that word brightness... There in, in, in Hebrews where it says is the brightness of his glory. That word, that word brightness means it means the pouring forth or the or the streaming forth. So so Jesus is the streaming forth or the or the pouring forth of, of the Father's glory as fully God and, and, and fully man. So so I, I, I can I think of it like this, like like um you have the sun, like the substance, the substance of the sun, right? Right? And then you have the, 
you have the radiance, the shining forth of the sun's rays down upon earth that brings heat and light and life to everything on the earth. So you have the substance of the sun, and then you have the radiance of the sun in sunlight that is reflecting on earth. And when I think of it like that, I think they are one, but yet they're two. And, and, and here it's saying that Jesus is the, is the brightness of the Father's glory. And like just as, you, as we see the sunrise, the, the sunlight and the sun rays in the natural, how, how they, are, they are the radiance, right? The reflection of the sun itself. And when we see Jesus, this is who he is to the Father. So powerful. The brightness or radiance of the Father's glory. So we, we, we have to understand that Jesus is, is of the same nature and he's of the same essence of God, which means he's essential, his essential being is God and that within itself is divine. But, but the truth that, 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 the, that the author in Hebrews is truly driving home here is that, G, that Jesus is distinct. He's distinct from the Father, yet they're one. This is the glorious truth. They're of the same essence, but distinct as a person. It's one God in three persons. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, glorious, a glorious and a grand mystery. And Pastor Jason did a, an amazing job this past year preaching on, speaking on the deity of Christ, and you should go back and listen to it. But this is establishing this, and the Hebrews author, knowing what the Hebrews were dealing with here, those, the, the believers there, and what they were fighting against of, of, of this teaching of, of, of that, that Jesus wasn't God in the flesh and all these things. And here, Hebrews, he comes out and he says, He is the brightness of the Father's glory. Man, we need to know that. We need to understand that. It'll change how you worship him. And then in Colossians, in chapter 2, 9, it says, For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All the fullness of God is in a human body being expressed in Jesus. So good. He's heir of all things. He's creator of all things. He's the, he's the brightness of the Father's glory. And then it says that Jesus is the express image of his person. That's so powerful. He is the express image of his person. He is the he is the exact representation of the Father's person, of the Father's deity. We're talking about God shining through Jesus and touching the darkness in this world. And I'll, I'll read this one to you because it's just so good. In, in Colossians, in chapter 1, in verse 15, and it says, He is the, it, it says, he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. Isn't that powerful? Again, I'm struggling not going to Colossians and preaching that here right here along with Hebrews, but you guys should go on and read it. This is your king. This is your Lord. This is who you're about to celebrate. This is whose authority and leadership that we need to be coming over when we truly see that he's all these things. And, and here it's established in Hebrews in chapter 1, right there in verse 3, in Colossians 1.15, that he, Jesus, is the image, the image of a, as man, a full of, the, of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So what we see in this is that there's no deviation from the glory of the Father when the glory of Jesus touches you. When it shines on you, there's no deviation in it. 
In John 14 and 9, Jesus tells Philip and he says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? There's no, there is no shifting shadow. There's no variance at all. He is the express image of the Father. When we see Jesus, we're seeing the Father. When we see his love, we're seeing the Father's love, man. When we see his gentleness, we're seeing the gentleness of the Father. He is, Jesus came as man and took on flesh to be the very express image of the Father. The more we want to see the Father, the more we need to see Jesus. The more we need to see Jesus and want to see Jesus, the more we need to walk in Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5, because the more that we do and we walk in these ifs and we fulfill them, the then will come. And the revelation will be to open up your eyes and you'll be able to see more of the brightness of the Father and the express image of the Father through through Jesus. Come on, somebody. So the Bible says here in Hebrews that he's the heir of all things, that he's creator of all things. I just think it's magnificent that he says he's the brightness of the Father's glory. And then it says that he is the express image, the very express image of the Father. And then, in, and then the next one, the fifth one, the fifth one, it says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Right there in verse 3, Hebrews 1.3. He upholds all things by the word of his power. I love how it states that. Does that strike you a little bit? Like it could just say that he's sustainer. Could you say that he upholds? But it says, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. So we know that he is sustainer, like he can sustain. He sustains all things. The universe, his bride, the church, our life, our heart. Nothing would sustain without the sustainer. The world would not sustain without the sustainer. So it says, Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. Meaning, he speaks his word to release his power, sustaining all things. Right now, as Lord, as King of kings and Lord of lords, over the whole universe, over the seen and the unseen, knowing that he's heir, knowing that he's creator, knowing that all these things, and now we get this, we get this, this view of Jesus here in Hebrews 1 and in verse 3, that he is the sustainer, that he upholds all things by the word of his power. So this is so, this, just grab this, that he's, he's not just the create. The creator of the world, he doesn't just create, but he sustains. Some of you need to grab that this morning. Because he doesn't just create things that we see in the visible or create things that we don't always see, that, that we don't see that's invisible, but the things that we feel, the things in our life, the things that we prayed for, the things that we need, come on, that peace, that victory, that deliverance, or whatever that it is, it says that, that he is the sustainer of those things as we keep our eyes locked on him. Come on, by the power of his word. I love that. That means as I'm locked eyes with him and he's my stainer and I cry out to Jesus for that thing that I need, then by the, by the power of his word, all he's got to do is speak it and it's existed in my life. He's got to, all he's got to do is speak it and there it is. It's sustained. I can, sustain, I can be sustained in each step that I take when my eyes are truly locked on the magnificency of who my Lord is and who he is. Come on. Because it doesn't just create and then, and then something new is established in my life. And then Jesus like, I gave that to you, now maintain it. Come on, man, because that would be beautiful just within itself. And he says, you know what? I'm not only going to create things in you, but by the power of my word, I'm going to sustain it. The fulfillment of that comes to pass as we keep our eyes locked on him and, and live under his lordship. Because the truth of the reality is he can be my lord or not my lord. And lordship isn't determined by believing in him because a lot of people believe in him, but he's not lord. 
But I'll tell you today, this is establishing in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, that he is the heir, that he is creator, that he is sustainer, that he is all of these things. He is the brightness of the Father's glory. He is the exact, I'm trying to tell someone here today, that he is worth following. And that he is worth keeping in front of you. Because for him to sustain, he's got to be Lord. Come on. And a lot of us find a lot of things in our life that aren't always sustained. They're wishy-washy because we take our eyes off of him. But I'm going to tell you something today. The God's word is true and Jesus is true. And not only will he create what you need to have created in your life, but he truly can be sustained. He'll sustain it. He will uphold it by the word of his power as you keep his eyes off, your eyes locked on him. Man, that is the Lord that you serve. Isn't that powerful? You know, there's a whole lot of false gods out there. No one, no, no other false god can contain. No other god can create. Only your God. Amen. How many are glad that He can sustain, can sustain what He's created? Amen. I could go on a rabbit trail about global warming and stuff right now, but it, I won't. I believe that we're to be good stewards of what he's given us. But I'm pretty sure the one that created can, can sustain. Yeah. Isn't he so good? I'm preaching about encountering the magnificence of Jesus. I hope you never get to a place in your walk with the Lord after years of serving them that you feel like that you've seen all you need to see of him. Come on. I hope that as long as you're, you have breath in this life that you see that he's worthy to search out more. That there's always more of him to see. That there's always more of him to experience. There's always more of him to create in you. And there's always more of him to sustain in you as you keep your eyes locked on him. Come on, somebody. Isn't it good? I just want this, this beautiful Christmas season and what we're celebrating and, 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 and this this gift that we have in Jesus just to go to a whole different level in each and every one of us as we truly see who he is, man. He's the express image of the Father, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. I was thinking about this, and that he, that he doesn't just create with a word, but that he sustains with the word. He speaks, and it's there. And then he speaks and it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it sustained. It's just an amazing thing. Just by speaking over it. He's creator and sustainer. I want you to know today that his word releases life and it sustains. If you feel like something is deteriorating, his word will sustain it. If you feel like something in your life is deteriorating, there's nothing that can stop that decay but the sustainer. The one that can uphold what's created. Come on. If you, feel like you're, if you feel like there's something in your life, in a relationship or a marriage or something in your heart or something that you've received or whatever, I'm telling you, man, if you're sensing decay in any area of your life, you need to understand that he spoke what he speaks come to an existence. And, what, and, and when he needs something to sustain, all he's got to do is release his word over and it's sustained. Isn't that so good? That word upholding, it says he upholds. That word upholds means to support, and it means to maintain. He'll, he'll uphold it. He'll support it. He'll maintain it. Nothing created would uphold or sustain without Jesus speaking over it. Come on. Come on. This is, this is who he is. So he's heir of all things. He's creator of all things. He's the brightness of, his, of the Father's glory. He's the express image of the Father. And Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. And then the sixth, the sixth excellency says that when he had by himself purged our sins, there in verse 3, so now, now, now it steps in and it says that he is the redeemer. There's a couple of things I want to highlight here. Because I feel like of all these excellencies, 
You know, if you were to ask the church in a, in a you know the generalized church something about Jesus, most most people in 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 Christianity would would be able to say, and you know, he's he's savior. But he, here it says that that he he had by himself purged our sins. So we 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 grasp that he's the redeemer. I was kind of stricken. A little bit this week when I was studying this, and and uh, and just that word where it says by himself, by himself, that he did it alone. He had to he had to pay he had to pay the price for it, and ultimately no one else no one else could do it. And I, I know that we know this, but I just think, man, again, the, the author writing to the to the Hebrews here on who Jesus truly was that he was God manifested in the flesh, that he was heir, that he was all of these things, and then making it known, making it known in that day with all that they were going through, right, that no one else could do it, that Jesus alone is Redeemer. And if Jesus alone was the Redeemer, then Jesus alone is the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven, and the only way to eternal life. How I many know that needs to be established today? Like there's so much a, a kind of a, a message that's been out there, you know, throughout the world and, and, you know, one world religion, all this stuff. And I believe, I truly believe that we're to honor people and love people and not judge people and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you what, the church better not buy into this lie that there's more than one way to the Father. One way through heaven. Jesus is the only one. He is the only one that could come and take on the form of flesh as a human, become that perfect lamb, and die on the cross to, 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 to what that scripture says in Hebrews, to purge sin away. And in doing that, he is the only way, the truth, and the life. Amen? And we know that, but again, the author is writing to a church of believers there as the Hebrews. And man, this was, they were truly being challenged and had to face persecution from this message. And the author is saying, man, don't give up any ground. Don't let that lie be established anywhere in your world that there's any other way but Jesus Christ. So he is establishing here in Hebrews, man, who Jesus is and that he is absolutely Lord. Come on, somebody. How many are grateful for that today? 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, in Jesus. And then when we think about this then, that he's redeemer, that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. And we think about then how he had to come and take on flesh and all that he went through. And then if you, if you, if you process that with everything else that, that I've shared with you already in Hebrews, he only had to speak to, to create. He just had to give the word to create. All he has to do is give the word to sustain. It's all, he, it's all he had to do. But in order to purge our sin, in order to, to be our redeemer, he had to act. He had to stand. This should take our value of love and worth for him to a whole different level. Because now the sacrifice came in. Come on, someone. He had to, he had to take on the form of flesh. He had to descend to the earth. He had to be born of a virgin, this supernatural birth. Come on, man. It's what we're celebrating. And then at, through that, live and being fully man, fully tempted, fully feeling everything that we feel in our flesh, still remaining completely spotless, right? Come on. Then he had to become this spotless lamb offering for our sin. In other words, he could, he could speak and it was created. He could speak and it would be sustained. But to become our redeemer, he had to act in the most sacrificial way. He, embracing humility that we can't, we can't even comprehend. Making a way, making a way for reconciliation for, man, for, for mankind with God. So it says that he's the heir of all things, that he was and is creator of all things. It says that he's the, 
the brightness of his glory, the Father's glory. It says that he's the express image of the Father. It says that he's the sustainer or, or upholder of all things by the word of his power. It establishes here in Hebrews that he is the redeemer. He is the one and the only one in the only way to purge, to purge the sin out of the world, off of mankind, to become and make reconciliation between mankind and God. And then the seventh and the last thing that it says here in Hebrews, the seventh excellency is that he set down at the right hand of the majesty. So I started out by saying that really, really I could, each one of these seven things deserves its own message. <laughs> but I want to throw it out there to you. But after he purged our sins, it says that he sat down at the right hand of the Father, fully God and fully man. Fully God and fully man, sitting right there next to the Father. The ultimate, the ultimate ex exaltation. How many know the world's going to see this one day? We believe it because we believe the power of the Lord, but how many know the world's going to see this? How many know that every king's going to bow his knee before the Lord? Every world leader, every member of the occult, the richest man in the world and the poorest man in the world. Everyone, every, every human. There's going to be a day where they're going to realize this man that we're celebrating, this man that we love, this man that, that we place lordship, where we come under his authority, come on someone, that after he purged our sin, that he was seated and been placed at the right hand of the Father. He's, he carries all of the Father's delegated authority right now. He's ruling and reigning from heaven right now. He's creating and sustaining right now. He can create and sustain right now. He's doing those things. You might say, well, the world doesn't look like that he's in control. Can I tell you what? He's there. He's in full authority. We're in an we're in age where the enemy is still active on this earth. And we're seeing the effects of the enemy working. We're seeing the, except the effects of an enemy that hears to steal and kill and destroy. And yet at the same time, we know that God, there He is. And we see Jesus right now being exalted and sitting at the right hand of the Father. And all authority is given to Him. And He's hearing the prayers of the saints. And th through the prayers of the saints, He's creating and He's sustaining. And He's holding back. He's holding back. He's holding back. What's He waiting for, man? What's He waiting for? He's waiting for another soul to come. He's waiting for another soul to come. He's waiting for another soul to come. He's waiting for the church to be purified. He's waiting for the church to be cleansed. He's waiting for His bride to get ready. He's working on that. Come on, man. But i got to tell you something, man. Too much of the church looks in the world and they, they see through the lens of what they see as a result of the darkness and it's diminishing, it diminishes the reality of this king that is sitting on the right hand of the Father right now. And all it's going to take is one split second, man. Come on. And everything's going to shift and everything's going to change. Just like that. It's like this author of Hebrews is so good. He's like, don't get distracted, young people. Don't get distracted. You're going to see things that's going to hurt. Come on. In this world, you're going to face tribulation. Come on. People are going to make decisions. Man has a self-will. People are going to leave. People are going to hurt you. People are going to do bad things. There's going to be injustices. But nothing is being done outside of my sight, man. And I've got all authority. One day, everyone's going to answer for every word that came out of their mouth and every action that flew out of their body. Come on.
But he says, right now I'm working. Don't think I'm asleep, man. Don't think I'm just sitting there. Just don't think I'm on hold. He is active. He is working right now, this very moment. The Holy Spirit has been poured out and being released, and he is working. How many of you are excited for a great awakening across the world, man, where souls are going to come, and people are going to come in the multitude and lay down before him, and this king is going to get the worship that he deserves? Come on, man. Like we're in this age where, 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 where dark is going to get darker, but the bride is going to get brighter. The church is going to be more powerful than it's ever been before. But it's only going to happen is they truly lock eyes on this king and they live with this reality that they're not just serving some baby that was born in a stable. No baby just laying in a little manger, man. Someone that just come humble. He's a humble king, but there's no king more powerful than your Savior. Amen. He's the only one that is, is the, the heir of the world. He's the only one that can create with the power of his word. He's the only one that is sustainer. He is the only one that releases the brightness of the Father's glory. He's the only one that is the exact image of the Father. He is the only one that could be a redeemer. Come on, somebody. This is our king. This is who we're celebrating. Come on. And he deserves a whole lot more than to be opened up and received. Come on. And just observed. I'm going to use him later. When I need him, I'm going to, then I'll use it. He's that thing you're thankful for, but you're like, I don't really know if I'll ever need that or not. I'm sure there will be a day that will come. Let me tell you something. You need him right now. But more than you, more the, the, the truth that you need him right now, Ezra, everyone around you needs him. Because here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty of the church, Ezra. Here in Hebrews, God says, he says, Jesus is the brightness of my glory. He's the brightness of my glory. And then Jesus prayed in John in chapter 17. And he says, Father, I pray that, that, that those that you gave me would be one with me as I'm one with you and that they would behold my glory. So the beauty of this now and that we understand in this beautiful baby gift that we've been given in a manger and it's so sweet and so powerful. But if you could see the king, Everyone missed the king that was in that manger. The wise men saw it. There were a few that knew it, man. Come on, someone. But there's a lot of people in the world today that don't see that king laying in the manger. They do not see that he is the brightness, the radiance, the exact image of the Father. They're not living with the reality and revelation. Come on, that he's creator, that he's sustainer. By, by, by the word of his power, that everything can change. They're trying to think, I can get in by good deeds. I can be a good person. I can worship Allah or this or that. And I'm here to tell someone there is only one way to heaven. It's through your Redeemer. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on. And now he says that he has been seated after he purged our sins, after he made a way that he is at the right hand of the Father. Come on. He is there. That that, that right hand, the right hand is a position of authority. Come on. Isn't that so powerful? And now so, so in that then he is working. But Ezra, the beauty in this now is that we walk in this reality of who God is. I want our young people when they say, who do you say Jesus? is. That he's not just a man. He's not just a story. He's not someone they heard about in, 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 in Sunday school. Come on. I want Ezra to be able to stand up and say, that's my God and that's my king. Come on. He always has been and he always will be. There's no one above him. Come on. He is my Lord. He is Savior. He's creator. He's sustainer. He's magnificent and I've only just got a glimpse of him but I'm going to know more of him. Come on, man. He is healer. He's a champion. Breaker, he's a way maker, he's a deliverer, he is all these things. He is good, he can't be anything but good because it's who he is. Come on, somebody, he is real, he is alive, he is worthy to be followed, he is worthy to be lived for, he is worthy for you to lay your life down and get him off the shelf and get him in the centerpiece of your life and lock eyes on him so that he can begin to create and some saying some things in your life. Come on, can we give him praise this morning? That's your your king. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is so much more than singing some pretty little song about half-hearted while we're worried about something else going on. I'm telling you, if you need it created and you need it sustained, you better get your eyes off of it and get it on him because in one word of his power, it can be changed for the glory of God. I don't know about you, but that baby, he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. 
He is all good and all powerful. He is real. He is alive. He is coming back. He is beautifying His church. He has purged out the sin. He has made the way. Come on, somebody. Isn't He good? Hallelujah. One of my favorite Christmas sermons ever. And I'm just getting started. I've just got a glimpse of him. And I can't get enough. I'm just getting a glimpse of him. After all these years, raised up learning about him. Started following him in 1998. How long's that? How many of you wasn't here then? Don't raise your hand. Thank you. Come on. Come on, somebody. I'm going to take us back to last week a little bit, and I'm going to... I think that I want to sing of His worth this morning. But I'm going to take you back to Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2, where it says that it's a... um, uh, the glory of what? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. What if we really searched it out like silver and gold? Come on. What if searching, you know the beauty in it? Anything else in the world that you search out, you're not going to find any glimpse of it until you find it. You know the beauty about searching out the king? You're going to find him all along the journey. Like every little step, you're going to be like, ah, ah, ah. It's like he rewards us all in this whole journey from from 1998, 25 years ago, all all the way until I get to see him face to face. Come on. Glory, glory, glory. This is our king. This is our king. Come on. It's like fresh fire, love, stir up in my heart for him. Listen, this tells me one thing. He is worthy of my wholehearted devotion. Like this is who the king is. And then I think I can half-heartedly serve him and pursue him and live, live in the fullness of him. Come on, man. I mean, he's calling us all the way in. He's calling us all the way in. Lock eyes with him. Last week I used that word. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, my, my mind is not, uh, I'm, it, not quick today. Uh, but I used the word obsession. And when I first wrote, wrote the word da- obsession down, I thought, no, I can't use that word because that's not a good word. Like Everything that we relate to the word obsession usually is, some, is bad. Even if it's not a bad thing, the obsession of it steals from the true obsession. But then I started praying over it, and I kept on, I wrote it down again, and I kind of, I kept on certain, I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. I believe that, 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 that when David said that this is my one thing, the one thing that I desire, he's saying that's my obsession. He says the one thing that never leaves my mind, it doesn't leave my thoughts, it's, not, it's my one desire above everything is that's encountering this man, Jesus, is my obsession. I believe, church, can we just commit together that we begin to pursue him in a way that he's our obsession in life. He's our one thing, he's the main thing. And little by little, come on, he's gonna reveal himself to us. He's called you kings, kings and queens. So now it's our responsibility as kings to search out that thing. Search out that one that's being revealed right here in Hebrews. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And can you know what? Can we just give him a praise offering for his word? And that was very, 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 very weak and half-hearted. Can we give him a praise offering this morning for his word, for revealing who is his? the magnificence of Jesus because he's so worthy and he's, he's so worthy of our pursuit. He's so worthy of our be- obedience. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going re- to uh, just, I really encourage you
as you think about what he's just revealed to us and opened up even more hearts that let's just give him a let's just give him five or ten minutes of just wholehearted worship amen and uh, and express his worth and now I'm just going to read over these and I do want to do this also um, as we worship because he is all those things. And he is creator and he is sustainer. And all he's got to do is release the word over it. And so as we worship, I'm gonna, I would invite uh, the elders, Pastor Jason, uh, to, to just be down here at the altar. And uh, uh, if, you, if you need him to create or sustain something in you and people agree with you, if you're carrying something right now that you just need help in healing with, then I would just like like for the leadership to be down here. You come, share with them, let them pray with you, let them agree with you, let them help get your eyes locked on the in, in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. And and then let's just worship him for his worth this morning. Hebrews 1, the the seven excellencies of Jesus. He's the heir of all things through whom the Father created the worlds. The brightness of the Father's glory. He's the express image of His person, upholding all things by the word of His power. The only one that did and could purge our sins, He's Redeemer. And now He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's our King. Amen? Let's worship, and if you would like to receive prayer this morning, you feel free to come on down. We'll pray with you. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.